Welcome back. Listen, just want to welcome you wherever you're watching from today. And uh, if you're a part of a family church congregation, we are so glad that you're joining with us for online church this morning. But also if you're watching from somewhere around the world or you've joined our online church family during this time of lockdown. My name's Andy Elms and I lead Family Church and we're just really, really glad that you can join with us this morning for our online service. I want to start today by reading a passage of scripture from the book of Mark. I'm just going to give you moments to grab your Bibles and I'm going to read from uh, Mark and uh, it's chapter 7 and I'm going to start reading from verse 1. So I'm going to give you a couple of moments just to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 7 and verse 1. It reads this way. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean. That is unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that time, and the teachers of the law asked Jesus this question. Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders? They've been watching the disciples and the followers of Jesus. And they had a question based on their understanding of the law and their religion. Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? Interesting question. Jesus responds this way. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it was written. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules that are taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. That's an interesting scripture where the religious leaders of the time come to Jesus with a question. They've been observing Jesus and his disciples. They'd seen how they'd taken wheat from the field and they'd eaten with unwashed hands. And they came to Jesus and they said, we have an issue, we have a problem based on the things that we've learned, how your followers are behaving. Now, you expect Jesus as some people would portray him, to come in and go, oh, I'm so sorry if we offended you. Rather, Jesus comes and speaks very strongly and says, Isaiah was right when he spoke of you. You're a bunch of hypocrites, but you honour God with your lips. You go through the motions. You keep the traditions of men and the traditions of your elders, yet your heart remains far from God. In this moment, we see a collision between the way of the Pharisee the religious leader of the time, and the way of Jesus and those who were choosing to follow him. We also see a collision, a really strong collision, between religion, with all of its do's and don'ts, and a simple relationship that people had with a very real Jesus. In this moment, there's a collision between religion and relationship with God. You've got religion saying, here's our do's and don'ts. 
Your followers, Jesus, they haven't kept our do's and don'ts. Yet the followers of Jesus weren't following a rule book. They were following a living Messiah. The Lord had won their hearts and they were following him in relationship. You see, walking with God is meant to be a heart thing. It's meant to be a relational experience. And making it a relational experience keeps it really simple. It's amazing when we talk about Christianity and a walk with God. If you add relationship, it makes things beautiful, real and simple. Why? Because there's an activity occurring between two people, not a person and a thing or a person and a thought process. When you add relationship to a walk with Jesus, everything makes sense. But equally, when you add religion to Christianity or a walk or a desire for God, it becomes complex. It becomes complicated. It becomes confusing. The Pharisees were confused. Their relationship with God was complex. It was based on their doing, how much they did and when they did it. And did they do it enough? Yet the followers who were walking with Jesus that didn't wash their hands, that was their crime. They had something better than something that was merely complex or confusing. They had a very real walk with a very real God. As followers of Jesus, we need to purpose to keep things relationally simple. Let me say that again. As followers of Jesus in this generation, the 21st century, we need to purpose in our hearts like these first followers of Jesus Even when religion is getting annoyed and offended by us, we need to purpose that we're going to keep our walk with Jesus, our walk with God, relationally simple. Now, by doing that, we choose to pull away from religion with all of its ways. There's no good thing in religion. Listen, what we're involved in here is the beautiful reality that we now have a a living relationship with a God who loves us. But in the background of our world, there's always, like there was in the background of this moment with Jesus, the voice of religion. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. We've always done this. We've always done that. Listen, you can't live within the rule book of the law when there's something far superior available, which is an intimate daily walk with a God that loves you. And I really believe when I look at religion, it leaves you confused. But when you look at Jesus... It leaves you fulfilled. There's an expression in the world that's often used within education, within marketing and within the secular business world. And it's called KISS. And KISS is, um, it represents four words, K-I-S-S. And you may have heard it this way, keep it simple, stupid. Now, we're not going to use that method today. Um, In the secular word, they say that KISS means keep it simple, stupid, meaning Don't get so difficult. Don't get so complex. Don't get so um, bogged down by detail that you miss the point. But we're going to redeem that today. And we're going to say that kiss for us means keep it simple, saint. All right. So just uh, make a note of that somewhere that you'll remember it. Keep it simple, saint. Because that's all God wants us to do. In this time that's unusual, in this time where everything around us seems to be shaken and we find ourselves with real needs and really moments that seem in themselves complex and confusing. We have the voice of God cutting through 
the confusion, saying, keep it simple, saint. Don't make it difficult. Don't get religious. Don't make your walk with me a religious, complex, confusing, unfulfilling experience. Rather, just keep it simple, saint. Make it about the things that matter and not about the things that don't. I believe the government have given us a great example of this in their management of this thing called COVID. And uh, we've seen the government make things really simple for us in understanding what we're meant to do. But also we've experienced what happens when they make it complex and confusing. For me, I'm just a simple guy. I need it simple so that I can understand what you want me to do. And Boris actually did that a number of times with the statements or the words that he placed um, in front of him when he was doing his daily briefings. I understood that because it was really simple. Here's a couple of them. You may remember them. The first lot said, stay alert or stay home. Control the virus. Spare lives. Nice and simple. Nice and simple. I got it. I wasn't confused by that. Every time I saw Boris doing his briefing, I thought, all right, number one, stay alert. Stay at home. Control virus. Spare lives. Got it. Got it. And then they they made it even more simple for me, which was not a, a bad thing. They made it just simply hands, face, space. Nice and simple. I got that. Hands, one word, face, covering her, space. I got it. You want me to wash my hands, you want me to cover my face, and you want me to keep a correct space between me and those who are not a part of my household. I got that. But then we went through that season where it was almost like this moment where religion tries to confuse everything in this moment that we read about in Mark, where suddenly they started bringing in all these new regulations. And I don't know about you, I was lost in the mix. Suddenly they took it from the simple of hands, face, space, to what you've got to have a bubble and your bubble looks like this. This is who's in your bubble and this who who isn't in your bubble. And your bubble acts like this when it's indoors and your bubble acts like this when it's outdoors. Ah, but there's a subclause to your bubble. If you've got somebody that's not a bubble of another bubble, they come into your bubble, but you've got to act like a bubble that needs to be a bubble for the time we're in, not the time we were in. I sat there and I'm sure you did. I thought, I don't understand. I don't understand. You've just made something very simple. Hands, face, space, into something where I'm confused. I don't know where you want me to go. I don't know who you want me to let into my house. Listen, that's the same of what, as what religion does when it comes in with all its little complexities, its little confusions. Yet in the middle of it, God wants us to just keep it simple. That's my message to you today. In the midst of a time that could seem confusing, unusual, both in what's happening in the world, but also in what we're experiencing in church with not meeting like we used to meet. Don't get confused. Don't make this more complicated than what it needs to be. Just keep it simple, saint. I didn't say stupid. I said, keep it simple, saint. So if I was to have a Boris moment, if I was to have a moment where I put something in front of my podium for you today, if I was to have something that was a three point guide for walking through this moment and any other moment that you may experience in life remaining strong and faithful to God it would be this are you ready love obey and believe love 
obey and believe. If we lay aside all the religious noise, all the complexity of the modern day Pharisee, Sadducee, couldn't see and wouldn't see. If we silence our own condemning of ourselves and the condemning noise of others that are judging us rather than themselves and just come back to something simple. It suddenly makes the relationship that we have with God both enjoyable. You know, you're meant to enjoy your relationship with God, not endure it. But you'll endure it if you continually think you're failing or you're not doing what you need. We need to come back to the simple revelations that the Lord has taken us from a separation that we experienced because of Adam. And he's brought us back in to his family. He's taken those who were separated and now placed us in Christ and placed his spirit now in us. Nice and simple. Keep it simple, saint. So let's look at these three very simple guidelines that I want to give you today for how to survive COVID, lockdown, every other thing that could come against you and every weapon that may be fashioned against you. Love, obedience and faith. Love, obey and believe. So let's keep it really simple and look at love today. Let us always remember that God has brought us into a love relationship. He never brought us in to slavery. He never brought us into something that we weren't meant to enjoy. Rather, in all that God did in allowing his son to die on a cross for us, his motivation, what drove him, was love. He didn't need to do it. He chose to do it. Why? Because he couldn't stop loving those he'd made for the purpose of a love relationship. Let's remember, let's keep it simple, saint, that God has brought us into a love relationship. Let's keep it simple. He loved us first. We never earned his love. We love because he first loved us. Now, I know you may be watching today going, oh, this is a bit basic. No, no, we're purposing today that we're going to, in a world of religious complexity and confusion, purpose to just keep it really simple. He loved us first. We did nothing to deserve his love. Yet we didn't need to do anything to deserve his love because his love was based on his own grace and his own mercy. It's not achieved. And if it's not achieved, it can't be maintained. If it's not achieved by what we do, if we receive God's love because of his decision to love us, then our, our walk with him or his love for us can't be maintained by what we do either. He loves us with a demonstrated love. You know, sometimes people say, well, how can I know that God loves me? Simple, just look to the cross. Greater love has no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. How much did Jesus love you? Jesus loved you enough that he laid down his life on the cross to bring you back in to the family of God, to make you an heir to the father and a joint heir with the son. He loves you with demonstrated love. When we look at love, it's an interesting word, isn't it? We can look at love how the world would teach us love is, which actually a lot of the time is more an experience of lust because the love that this world offers so many times is something that takes from us, enriches another, 
takes, not gives. I believe a real simple thing that we could do to understand afresh the love of God is to read through 1 Corinthians 13 again, where it displays for us what love is. Remember, love isn't something that God does. Love is who God is. God is love. It's one of the ways that he spells his name. Is your walk with him a little bit confusing? Is it something that seems so complex? Then leave all of that stuff behind and come back to a simple love relationship with God. 1 Corinthians 13 says that his love is patient. His love is kind. His love seeks no wrong. It keeps no record of wrong. Come on, let's have a rediscovery in our hearts of something that, yes, is simple, but actually it's simply profound, simply life-changing. So what I'm saying to you today is God just wants you to live in his love. God wants you to know that he loves you. God wants you to know that he always loved you. And what he provided in the death and the burial and the resurrection of his only son, Jesus, was to bring you and me from separation back into a very intimate and very real love relationship. You see, understanding the love of God, it will change everything. It will change your prayer life. Suddenly you're not coming into prayer in the morning in a religious, complex way. Oh God, I did this. God, I need to do this. And, 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 and living in a routine. Rather, prayer becomes a beautiful conversation, a time of intimacy between the God and the creation that he loves. Oh, let's make sure that on the front of our stage, on the front of our desk, the word is written, love. He loves us. And just wants us to love him back. Okay, let's look at the second word. Obey. Obey. Simple obedience. First word, love. Simple love. Don't make love difficult. You don't need to make love difficult. You need to live in the glorious beauty of the love that he has for you. And just love him back. And then love represents itself or expresses itself. Not in our performance or the songs that we sing but in our obedience to him. So this second word is key if we're going to endeavour to keep it simple. Obey. Just live to obey him. Live to walk in obedience to what the word says is the life that you should now live because you belong to him. Again, don't make it religious. Don't come in like a Pharisee to obey stuff that was fulfilled by Jesus. You see, all of the law and the prophets were fulfilled in Jesus Jesus took everything that was so complex and difficult that the Pharisees and the Sadducees once lived by. And he said, listen, all of that stuff that once confused you and everyone else is now simplified in this statement. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all of your mind. And just purpose to love your neighbour as yourself. It's amazing that what Jesus did in this moment was he took all the confusing sub bits and contracts, letter A, letter B. He took all the stuff that was once the law that gave a person a state of momentary righteousness. And Jesus took all of that stuff that was so confusing and he made it so simple, simplified it with one statement. Hey, follower of Christ, just live every day of your life to love the Lord your God with everything that you are, and to love your neighbour as yourself.
and you'll find yourself walking in the direction that God has got for you. Not one day a week, but every day of your life. Simple obedience, the second word, obey. You see, obedience really is the true expression of our love. Sometimes we can think it's our performances. Sometimes we think if we sing enough worship songs that have written in them, I love you, Lord, that that's an expression of our love. Oh, I had a moment this morning where I sung some songs. I love you, Lord. I love you. I love you. That must really be a demonstration of my love to God. No, it's not, because he looks through everything that we do to the heart of who we are. That's what Jesus was saying to the Pharisees and the Sadducees when he called them hypocrites. In the text that we read this morning, he said, you're concentrating on all this external stuff that you think God is impressed by. Yet God looks through all of that stuff to the condition of a heart. And if we say we love him, if we're living in the simplicity of his love, the natural outworking within us and through us will be a heart that now wants to live in obedience to him and to his ways. Living obedient to the way that he would ask you to live. I'm reminded of a couple of things that Jesus taught on this. One in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46 where he makes this statement and this statement has always been a very profound statement to me. It, it came into my world probably about eight years ago, and just really shook my world and brought it back to a place of order. And it was a simple thing that Jesus said. He said, you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say. Isn't that interesting? Jesus says, you call me Lord, Lord. I can hear you. I can hear your songs. You call me Lord, Lord. You, you say that I'm your Lord. You say that you're living under my lordship. Yet you don't do the things that I ask, another translation says, the things that I command. You see, the truth of whether the Lord is our Lord or not is found in the life that we're living. Is it recognising the Lordship of Christ? Simple, right? Are we calling him Lord yet not doing what he asks us to do? Oh, let's make it simple. Let's come back to just saying, Lord, I want to be in a love relationship with you and I want my love for you to be demonstrated in how my life now lives in obedience to your ways. Again, in the book of John, chapter 14 and verse 15, Jesus makes this statement. He was the king of one liners. He said, if you love me, you will do what I've commanded. Oh, if you love me, because again, in that moment, he was surrounded by people who were performing love for, for him or singing about love or, or shouting, we love you, Jesus, Jesus, we love you. His response, not an angry response, just an honest response. Well, if you love me, you'll do the things I've asked of you. What has the Lord asked of us? Oh, we made it very simple. We simplified all the confusion of religion, like I said before, and just simply said, love the Lord thy God. The Lord your God is one God. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy strength, all thy might, everything that you are. And love your neighbour as yourself. Boy, it doesn't get simpler than that. Yet within that simple obedience to those two things he asks of us in our relationship with him and our relationship with others, we find everything that brings him delight. 
Simple obedience that flows from love. We understand that he loves us and he's brought us into a love relationship with himself. And out of a love relationship, we now find within ourselves a desire not to rebel against his ways, but to walk now in obedience with his ways. Why do we suddenly feel so different about living true to his ways? Because his Holy Spirit is now in us, desiring and leading us to walk in the ways of God. It's not a difficult thing. Just as it's not difficult for an apple tree to bear apples, for the branch of an apple tree to to bear apples because of the life that it's joined to. So with us, now that we're joined to God, we're in a love relationship with God. Not a religion about God, or a love relationship with God. The natural expression of that should now be in the heart of one who was once rebellious. No, now, Lord, I want to do things your way. I want to live to glorify you. I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it your way. My dear friend, Pastor Colin Urquhart, always puts this so well when he says, the favourite word of every believer should be obedience. Now, we live in a time where the favourite word of a believer is grace and mercy and and miracles. Where actually, if we're going to walk in a deep love relationship with God, our favourite word, like Pastor Colin teaches so well, should simply be obedience. You see, your obedience, not just to the big things, but also to the little things, causes great ramifications, not just for you, but also for others, and indeed, the plan of God. When I think of uh, the current moment that we're in with Soul Winner, we've sent Soul Winner, the book, to over 330 families within Family Church and others beyond have bought a copy of of Soul Winner. I'm so thankful that it's going out so fast and, and, uh, and going to so many places. My prayer every morning when I pray is, Lord, let Soul Winner mobilize your church to bring the harvest in but you see the reality is it's not down to my prayers it's down to the obedience of the reader you could receive that copy of soul winner and you could say ah it's by pastor andy let's give it a read stick it on the shelf put it in the bookcase with the other books and overlook what the lord is asking you to do within that book which is to be a person that takes their jerusalem their harvest field, seriously. You see, if you respond to what the Lord's asking you, not just in my book, but what it says in the Bible, to be a person that's going and letting others know about Jesus, the ramifications of that obedience is you could stop somebody spending a lifetime in a lost eternity. And you could one day see that person that you dared to share about Jesus with in heaven with you. Our obedience, large and small, carries great ramification to it. That's why I believe this second word is so important. The first word, love. The second word, obey. Let me stay in the book of Mark for a moment and flick over to Mark chapter 1. Because I want you to see how much obedience can affect something. Simple obedience. Do you know in my heart right now, I really feel the Lord saying to me, Andy, I don't just want you to be obedient to me in the big things, but more than ever before. Now, God's not speaking to me this way as a leader. He's speaking to me this way as a follower. Andy, I want you to be 
obedient to me, not just in the big things, but in the very smallest of things I ask of you. Because one day you will see how your obedience to the small things had such a big result for you and for others. I love this story in the book of Mark, chapter 1. Reading in verse 40, it's a brilliant moment, a spontaneous moment, where Jesus takes the life of a leper, restores it, gives it back to him. It's a brilliant miracle moment. It says in verse 40, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. He was desperate. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, that's Jesus. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Isn't that a great story? A great account. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. Okay, so Jesus has done this guy really good. The guy's received a miracle. He must be buzzing. He must be like, man, I've just got to, I've got to go back to my wife. I've got to, I've got to go see my kids. I've, I've got to go get my job back. Everything's changed. But then we sometimes in the celebration of his miracle, miss what Jesus says in verse 43. Jesus sent him away with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. That would have been so hard, wouldn't it? Because the leper would have been, I've just got my life back. Everything's restored. I, I've got to tell somebody. But yet Jesus says to him in a strong warning, don't tell anyone. This has been a spontaneous moment. I'm glad that your life is restored, but don't, don't tell anyone. Rather, go show yourselves to the priest and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So Jesus was clear, wasn't he? Listen, it's been my pleasure to do this for you. I just need you to now do something for me. I need you to be obedient to something quite small. It seems quite insignificant, but I need you to do this for me. Don't tell anyone at this time. Verse 45. And you can understand why he did it. The, life had just, the guy had just been given his life back. But it says, instead, instead, instead of what? Instead of doing what Jesus had asked him, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news as a result. He probably thought he was doing good. He probably thought, you know what? Jesus gave me my life back. I've got to tell everyone. But he'd forgot that Jesus had asked him not to. Now, he went out spreading the news. Now, listen to the ramifications or the result of this man's disobedience. Because he went out and told everyone, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but had to stay outside in lonely places. Yet the plan of God wasn't halted. The people came to him from every place. Did you catch that? But Jesus had asked this man to obey him or to be obedient in something that seemed so small in the light of the hugeness of the miracle he'd received. In his excitement, he wasn't living in wicked disobedience. I'm not going to do what Jesus said, like some Christians do today. In his excitement, he said, I've got to tell everyone, look, I was a leper. But in doing that, what he actually did was shut the town or the city down to what Jesus still wanted to do. This spontaneous moment where he'd given this man a miracle was beautiful. But because the guy didn't remain silent or do what Jesus had asked him, something so small in the light of this huge miracle, the city and the town of that area was shut to Jesus. So Jesus had to reroute his plan and go into lonely places 
and cause people to come out of the places to meet him there. Don't get me wrong, God still did <coughs> everything that he wanted to do. Sometimes when our disobedience is with little things, we don't think that there's any consequence. There's always consequence to disobedience. But equally, there's also great consequence to simple obedience when we just go, you know what, I'm going to make this real simple, God. I'm going to love you with everything that I am. And the expression of my love is going to be simple obedience. Lord, if you ask me to do this, I'm going to do this. If you ask me not to do this, I'm not going to do this. If you tell me to do this in forgiving a person, I'm just going to go ahead and forgive the person and not be a person that thinks they know better. Lord, if you ask me to handle my finances this way, you know what? I'm not going to argue with you. I'm going to bring my life into alignment and obedience to what you're teaching regarding handling my finance, loving others, managing my relationships. Let's just live in this time where everything around us could be confusing, the voices, the loudness of life. Let's walk through with a confidence and a peace that comes from, number one, simple love and simple obedience. And the final one is just believe. Not, not to make believing complex. Oh, I need a 10-point structure to how I believe. No, no, no. Jesus says that we're to have simple faith. How does he term it? Childlike faith. I love that, that when Jesus speaks about how we should believe, he says, just look at children. Look how simple, how pure, how uncomplicated, <clears throat> how uncomplex it is for a child to believe something that their parent has told them. Come on, I've seen this as I've raised my own five children. That With children, you say to them, we're going to do this this afternoon. And they don't run around the living room going, I wonder if you meant it, I wonder if you meant it, unless you're a promise breaker. They don't run around the, the living room going, I wonder, I wonder, willy, willy, will you, will you, will you? They say, well, my dad said that he would, which means he will. God wants us to walk in that childlike simplicity of faith. He wants us just to love, obey, and believe. Believe in trust in what he's promised he's going to do for you. Don't try and work it out. Don't try to put a system or make it mechanical. Just, just say, well, God, if you said it, Father, if you said it, it's going to come to pass. You see, the Bible is a catalogue that records how different men and women throughout the ages just chose to trust God and what God was promising. And because they did, came through terrible times, huge storms, challenging moments. The good news is their God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of Elijah and Elisha, he's our God too. And as he was faithful, to everything he promised them. So God, you see, is not a liar. He'll never be in debt to any man. He'll be faithful to you. But what does he want you to do? Relax. Only believe. When we read through this catalogue of people believing God, we read about Abraham. And God steps into Abraham's world and says, I've got something so much bigger for you. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you lands you never dreamt of. I, I'm going to make you a father of many nations, your deepest dreams, I've seen them, and I'm, I'm going to make them happen. What did Abraham have to do? Just say, all right, Lord, if that's what you've promised, that's what will happen. 
And he stepped out of everything he knew with no map, just almost like a compass bearing that way. But what did Abraham choose to do? Not looking at the things or the natural things around him. He chose rather, him and Sarah chose rather just to believe God. I want to encourage you, don't look at the things around you that are screaming, the noise, the religion, the confusion. Keep it simple, saint. What's the promise of God for that thing that you're going through? What's the promise of God for that moment that you're trying to manage? Don't make it more difficult than it needs to be. Rather, out of love and in obedience, find that place in your knees, on your knees, that just says, Lord, I don't kind of understand everything that's happening around me. It all seems to be disagreeing with what you promised. Yet the one who is promised is true. That's why Abraham believed, because he knew the one who had promised was true. Boy, then you get into Hebrews 11. Story after story after story. Mouths of lions were stopped and uh, Moses. And, and it just goes through this, this catalogue, this, this arena, this, this, these, these heroes of faith. But every one of them had something in common. None of them were experts of faith. None of them had degrees in believing. They just chose to be like we need to be today, just like children. God, if you said it, that settles everything. You say, ah, oh, but those are Old Testament stories. No, 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 read the Gospels. Listen to what Jesus said to so many different people experiencing so many different things. I can only grab a couple because time doesn't allow us to do more than that. But I think, again, reading the book of Mark, I've loved reading the book of Mark this last couple of weeks. It speaks of that moment with the father when, when Jesus and the disciples are coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And, and there's, there's a father with his child that's got this almost like this epileptic attack on, on this child's life that threw it into fire, that was destroying this child. And this father comes to Jesus and says, please, your disciples wouldn't help me. Can you help me? Can you? And Jesus responds and says, can Let's, do, let's deal with your ifs and your buts so that we can get this miracle done. And then Jesus says these words to this father that's lived in this situation. Sin this child going through this for so long was almost hopeless to the core of who they were. Only believe. All things are possible to those who believe. Not believe like you've come out of the university of how to believe, like a child. Again, you read about characters like blind Bartimaeus, blind beggar. Everybody had ignored him. and He may have been blind, but if you've ever heard me preach on this, he may have been blind, but he had big ears. And he'd heard about Jesus as others were seeing with their eyes. He couldn't, and he'd heard people running past him. Ah, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus heals people. Jesus heals lepers, and... In his blindness, faith had arisen because of what he'd heard. Remember, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And in that moment, suddenly he's in the marketplace. And they say, Jesus is here. And he can't help himself. Religion hated him because of his volume. He says, Jesus! And people began to kick him. Shut up, blind beggar. But Jesus heard his cry because it was a cry of faith. Simple belief. I need you, Lord. I know you can help me. And Jesus looks across the crowd and says, is that you? Bring that man to me. 
And then he asked us that question, which is hilarious, really. He could see he was blind. What do you want me to do for you? And in simplicity, this blind beggar says, I want you to give me my eyesight back. What does Jesus say to him? Your faith makes you whole. His eyesight returns. Oh, so many stories fill the Gospels. The woman with the issue of blood pushed through the crowd. That was a religious crowd again. He won't want you. You're a lady. He won't want you. You've got an issue of blood. But she chose not to listen and keep it really simple. I need him. And I know he has what I need. That drove her to push through the crowd. And when she touched the hem of a garment in childlike faith, the virtue of God was released and the bleeding stopped. Let's stop making faith more difficult than what it's meant to be. Let's stop trying to make it fit into mechanics and levels. and Let's just be like children and come to Jesus and say, Lord, like Bartimaeus, like the father with the child, like the woman with the issue of blood, like Abraham, like Moses, like everyone that I read about in your word, you are still the God of the impossible. I approach you not with what I deserve. Rather, I stand on your promises. You are faithful to your word. You see, it's not about how you feel. It's not about how you can reason it. It's not about how you understand it. If I understand this, it'll happen. If I feel this, it'll happen. My friend, it's not about any of those things. What it's about, has God promised you in his word? Has he given you his word that he would do it? Then do it, he will. Don't be confused by the timing. Don't be confused that he's not using who you thought he would. Don't be confused that it's not coming when you thought it would or how you thought it would arrive. Rather, find that place that roots itself in love on your knees, but expresses itself through simple obedience to him and say, Lord, it's going to happen because you said it would. So, my friends, in this time where everything seems to be disrupted, both in the world and even to some degree within the church, let's not be religious and make it more confusing or complex and it's meant to be rather let's find our own three statements to live by but if we live by them we know will bring us through not broken but strong what are those three words love obey and believe this week let's just all set our hearts on doing those three things let's not make it confusing let's not make a labor out of something that was never meant to be a labor Come on, I'm going to do this. Will you join me? This week, I'm going to spend my life loving God and living in his love, experiencing his love, walking with him in a love relationship. I'm going to spend my life just doing what he asked me to do, whether that involves um, people, finances, going places, doing things. I'm just going to do what Jesus told me to do. And I'm going to purpose not to do what he told me not to. And number three, I'm purposing in my heart, not like an expert, but like a child. I'm just going to go ahead and believe every word he's given me. I'm going to believe every promise 
that he says is mine. I'm going to believe that every promise from him to me truly is yes and amen. Maybe you're watching this today and you've never given your life to Jesus. You say, Andy, you made it really simple. I've spoken to religious people and they told me about the 233 things I need to do to get started. You've made it really simple. It's just about love, obedience and belief. Listen, the Bible reveals that we were all separated from God. It says that all like sheep had gone astray. But he sent the great shepherd, Jesus, to bring us from being estranged back into his family. God doesn't want you to earn it. God doesn't want you to pay for it. God doesn't want you to provide what's needed to, to make it happen. He just wants you to believe. The Bible says that, that we're saved when we place faith in Jesus Christ. Will you do that this morning? Maybe you're watching and you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you're like the prodigal that we spoke of earlier and you once walked with God. But even maybe because of COVID and lockdown and not having church like it's, it used to be, you, you've drifted from God. But this morning, you hear his voice calling you back. One simple prayer. Remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees? You're full of actions and words, but your heart's far from me. How about you this morning? Let's lay aside our actions and our words and let's talk about the heart that we have for God. If you've drifted or never known him, one prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer and at the end I'm just going to give you an opportunity just to say amen. And when you say amen, you're saying that prayer you just prayed, Andy. That's my prayer too. The Bible says the moment that you pray that prayer, you say that amen. Heaven hears it. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've done everything that was needed to bring us from separation back into your family, back into your household. Thank you, Lord, that it wasn't dependent on our part, but it was dependent on your faithfulness, on the sacrifice of your son to restore the things that we'd done wrong. Today, Lord, we come before you and we just lift our eyes to the one who's worthy, Jesus Christ. We say thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for giving your life for me, Jesus. I believe that you are the son of God and I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you caused me in this moment to be born again, to be filled with your spirit. And my life takes on a whole new day, a brand new chapter because of you. Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Just say that amen. Maybe you're watching on catch up later on in the day. It doesn't matter. God's omni. He's beyond time and space and moments. Just say amen. Because all God's looking for from you and from me is the activity of our heart. But within it, there's a love that's towards him. The Lord bless you. Have an incredible week. If you prayed that prayer today, why not send me an email and let me know, andy at family.church. And I'd love to hear from you and uh, give you some material to get you walking in the right direction. The Lord bless you. Have an incredible week. And I'll see you next week for online church. God bless.